Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now we can hear John go right from that verse and extend it in 1 John 4.20 and say something like this. If a man say, I love God, and does not love his wife, he's a liar. He that loveth not his wife whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Or we can hear John extend it and say in 1 John 4.20 in a different way. If a woman say, I serve God, and does not serve her husband, she's a liar. She that serveth not her husband, whom she hath seen, how can she serve God, whom she hath not seen? See, how can a man love God if he doesn't love his wife? How can a woman serve God if she doesn't serve her husband? That's what makes this third picture of Isaac in verse 8 so beautiful. Because it's a picture of Isaac doing well in the marriage training course of loving his wife. And so he can pass the real test of loving God. And now, turn to the next picture, and we see here the fourth picture of Isaac, which is in verses 9 through 11. In this picture, we see Isaac, he's been caught in his lie about Rebekah, the lie that Rebekah was his sister. And we see Isaac being rebuked for telling this lie by a heathen king. And we see Isaac embarrassed standing before this king telling for telling this lie. See, God loved Isaac too much to let him get away with telling this lie about his wife instead of trusting God to protect him and his wife. So God chastened or he corrected Isaac by having him be caught, just as like it says in Proverbs 3.12, and for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So here we see how Isaac's sin, it caught up with him. It found him, as it says in Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. See, Isaac sowed a lie, and he reaped embarrassment. As it says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Actually, that verse in Galatians 6, 7 there says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. In other words, the man is going to reap back the same thing. It's the, it really is true. What goes around comes around. That's what that verse is saying. He says he's going to reap exactly the same kind that he sowed. So in this case, Isaac lied about the true identity of one of his family members. Happened to be his wife. And later in life, he will be lied to about the identity of one of his family members when he thinks that Jacob is Esau, and he gives him the blessing that he intended to give to Esau. But this fourth picture of Isaac standing there before Abimelech, he's caught, he's embarrassed. It's not a good picture of Isaac. But in this picture of Isaac, what we're looking at is a fall. It's the fall of Isaac. But, praise the Lord, it's not the last picture of Isaac. And Isaac gets up again. And that's a characteristic of a man of God. Characteristic of a man of God is not that he never falls. But the characteristic of a man of God is that when he falls through confession and repentance, gets back up again. As it says in Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falls seven times, rises up again. The wicked, they just fall into mischief. Now, Isaac has gotten back up from his fall, and now we see God blessing Isaac in this fifth picture. What a wonderful picture this is 
of God blessing Isaac. You know, the first blessing that God gave to Isaac was actually in verse 11, where he got an edict from the king, where it says in verse 11, Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Never mind killing him, but if you touch him, is he going to be put to death? See, the very thing that Isaac feared of being killed by the people, now he's got an edict from the king that says that anyone who touches him or his wife is going to be put to death. It couldn't be better for Isaac for protection. He had an edict of protection from the king. When Isaac looked at this edict, that was a rebuke to him because Isaac thought like this, boy, you know, my father Abraham, he got his wife back and he got protected because God appeared to him in a dream and told him he was a dead man. That didn't happen here. God did not appear to this king. This king didn't have a dream in which he heard God said, you're a dead man. The king just looked out his window and saw nothing other than he was just, he was laughing in joy with his wife. He was rejoicing with the wife. And based on that, the king gives this edict. And Isaac says, I just feel so silly. If I just would have been honest from the start and openly declared she's my wife, I would have been protected. That was a rebuke. Well, that's a blessing that God gave to Isaac, this protection here. And what's surprising as we go on in this verse, this fifth picture here of Isaac is how unlikely it was that he should be blessed and how fast he was blessed. I mean, it just happened overnight. I mean, the first picture of Isaac, we see Isaac being commanded to stay there and being promised that God's going to bless him, but he just didn't look like a person that was going to be blessed. I mean, Isaac doesn't look like a man ready to be blessed. His food's running out. His food's running low. He's hungry. I mean, Isaac doesn't look like a man that's ready to be blessed. He doesn't own any property. He's a foreigner. He's being allowed to work on some borrowed land. I mean, Isaac doesn't look like a man that's ready to be blessed. He's afraid he's going to be killed because of his wife's beauty. See? And Isaac, he doesn't look like he's ready to be blessed. It looks like he's on the verge of death. And a person on the verge of death doesn't look like he's ready to be blessed either. But believers on the verge of death, they don't look like they're ready to be blessed, but they're on the verge of going to heaven. Great blessing. In Isaac's case, it was just all of a sudden, something happens against all odds. He just becomes a rich man overnight. Verse 12 told us that we saw before, in that land, emphasized it was on that borrowed land. He didn't even own that land that he got all this bumper crop. Verse 12 tells us in the same year, emphasizing this, the year of the great famine, everybody else can barely eke out enough food to stay alive, and Isaac's crops goes a hundredfold. You know, not 10 bushels of, of corn, a thousand bushels of corn. Or if you're thinking terms like I do of bales of hay, you know, not a hundred bales of hay, 10,000 bales of hay. That's a lot of hay. So this picture that we've got here, this fifth picture of Isaac, is um, really emphasized to us in these verses 13 through 14. The man waxed great. He went forward. He grew until he became very great. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great store of servants. See the grain here? That was the bottleneck that God removed. And once that was taken out, then the grain came, and then all of a sudden these scrawny animals, they got fat on the grain, and they put on weight, and their coats got shiny, and the babies inside got fatter, and the mother's milk was richer, and the babies grew faster and fatter, and then, of course, more help was needed, and the help was paid in the grain, and then the livestock, until he reached the state that's described in verse 14. He had possessions of flocks and herds, a great store. See, there's no question about it that Isaac was blessed by God, and all his wealth came from God. Now, you look at verse 12, where it says, Isaac sowed in the land, and the word there to focus on is received. He received in that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. 
see that word received. That word in Hebrew is the word matzah, which means found. It's the same word that's in verse 19 where it says, and Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. I don't know why the translators use this word received. Of the 458 times that this word matzah appears in the Bible, it's never used for received except for this place here. But they didn't ask me, so what can we do? So now, you look at verse 12 and 19, and there's this emphasis on this word matzah. It's found. In other words, God put the harvest there. God put the well there for Isaac, and he just found it. That's the fifth picture we have of Isaac, a man being blessed by God by finding what God put in his way. Now, we come to the sixth picture, which is seen in verses 14 through 21. In this picture, we have a picture of Isaac as being hated. Isaac is hated. Isaac has been seen as blessed by God. With all that blessing, Isaac has been seen as God's man. Well, obviously, that's God's man. And the inhabitants hated God, so they hated Isaac. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ said what happened in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So don't think you're anything special because you're hated by the world. 1 John 3, 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. But for our encouragement, Luke 6, 22. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, shall reproach you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. He says you're blessed. And Isaac's house is blessed. In fact, Isaac's house, it sort of begins to look like a king's house. He's got all these riches. He's got these servants. As a matter of fact, it's kind of eclipsing the king's house, Abimelech's house. And so Isaac is envied. And envy talks about envy as being hatred. Proverbs 27, 4. Wrath is cruel. Anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? So first the Philistines, they hate Isaac's family. As we see in verse 15, they fill Abraham's dwells with dirt. They fill him up there. The Philistines had rather seen no flocks get watered from those wells than to see Isaac's flocks get watered with others as well. See, they wanted to see Isaac's flocks die for thirst. Now, the Philistines had entered into a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant with Abraham is that they would never do something like this. That's what was given to us in Genesis 21 where it says there, 21, 23, Now therefore swear unto me here by God, they said, that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness I have done unto thee. That's a joke. Thou shalt do unto me to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, Well, I wot not who had done this thing. Neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it but today. The same thing's happening. They could not be trusted to keep their covenant in that day. Okay, now, next we see them move from hating his family to hating his person. And that's in verse 16 where Abimelech says to Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than us. See, Abimelech's statement, go from us, reflects a real hatred of his person. They don't want him. It's so interesting for us in this sixth picture of Isaac Because as we look at it here, we see Isaac is right. He's in the right. And we see the Philistines are wrong. They're in the wrong. Because, and also we kind of step back and look at it and say, you know, think about it. Talking about application to modern day Israel. Isaac came to that land. It was a useless, rocky desert. And after Isaac came and God gave to Isaac water and irrigation, that land was transformed. And then grain came and livestock came. That land was useless. 
before Isaac came, and Isaac developed it by God's help. But the Philistines would rather destroy that irrigation, destroy that water, see the land go back to the wasteland, than to accept Isaac on that land. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) That's exactly the situation today in Israel. Israel, the country of Israel, before the Jewish people got there, it was a wasteland. It was worthless. And they transformed it through water and irrigation and went to one of the major suppliers of agriculture to uh, Europe. But the Arabs would rather see that land, that small piece of land, go back to being a wasteland and push the Jewish people into the Mediterranean. So we see here in the sixth picture of Isaac, he's hated. But Isaac's right, and the Philistines are wrong. And we also see that Isaac had might because of what Abimelech said. In verse 16, Abimelech said to Isaac, go from us, thou art much, much mightier than we. See, Abimelech said to Isaac, he wasn't just mightier than the Philistines. He said, you're much mightier than the Philistines. That meant that Isaac had the might through his servants to conquer the Philistines. But in this sixth picture of Isaac being hated, we don't see Isaac going to war with the Philistines. We don't see Isaac retaliating because they destroyed his wells. One of the worst mistakes I ever made in business was my response to an unfair situation. It was from an audit from one of our top customers, one of our largest customers overseas. And for whatever reason, we were so unfairly accused of one compliance violation after another. It was so unfair. We got a report back. And well, I decided to not just sit back. We'll take that. So we put together, we assembled these large notebooks where we refuted, we restated the claim and we refuted and we had photographs and everything against all And then we put on the front of these notebooks in big red letters, setting the record straight. <laughs> this was a big mistake. And then we hand-delivered those notebooks. And anyways, that got us nowhere. But what we see here in the sixth picture of Isaac is that he had no retaliation. There was no retaliation. Isaac doesn't challenge them for violating his agreement, the agreement that they had with Abraham. He doesn't demand that they honor his right to remain there. He doesn't go to war with them. What we see in the sixth picture of Isaac is that he's hated, but he just peacefully moves on to less fruitful land. Verse 17, Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water that they had digged in the days of Abraham and so forth. In other words, rather than fight, Isaac just moves on. And the question that we naturally ask is, did he make the right decision? Was that the right choice for him? I mean, Isaac had the right and he had the power to enforce his right, but he decided not to. Did Isaac make the right decision to not stand up and enforce his rights? And God answers that question in verse 19, where we read, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Right after Isaac yields... And does what the Lord Jesus Christ said to do in Luke 6, 29, unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other. Him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not, take thy coat also. Isaac's servants, right after he yields, Isaac's servants go out and find a well of springing water. In other words, Isaac's servants, they begin to dig this hole for the well, and the water just forces itself up through the hole. He sprays them in the face, and it's called springing water. Literally in the Hebrew, ma'in chayim. In other words, it's water with life, living water. It looks like the water's alive. And it was as if God was saying to Isaac, you did the right thing. That was the right thing. And don't be sad about leaving all those other wells because none of those other wells had living water. And if you had not been evicted from the land, you never would have found the living water. 
See, God was happy that Isaac didn't fight when he was mistreated. But Isaac followed the Lord Jesus Christ and said what to do. And he, didn't, he wasn't like the disciples of the Lord when the Lord was mistreated. They say, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? That would be good, don't you think? You can have some cinders right here for these people. You know? <laughs> That's what happened in Luke 9, 52. Where it says, and he sent messengers before his face. They went, entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him because his face as though he would go to Jerusalem. When his disciple James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven, consume them as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. They went to another village. We see how hated Isaac is because the Philistines were watching Isaac. When they saw the well of living water, they moved in on that. In verse 20, the herdmen of Gerar strove with Isaac's herdmen, saying, that water's ours. And he called the name of that well Essek because they strove with him. See, now they want Isaac's special well of his living water. So does Isaac say, that's God's special well. He gave that to me because you stole my other wells. No, he just moves on. He yields that well also. But in this sixth picture of Isaac being hated, we can see that all this hatred is really starting to get under Isaac's skin. I mean, don't think that Isaac's just saying, oh, well, no, he's not. In verse 20, when he names this well, Essek, which means striving or contention. See, he leaves the well of living water, and then he says, okay, then I'm going to name that well of living water contention. And then another well, in verse 21, he digs another well, and they strove for that also, and he called the name of it Sitna. See, they fight over that well and this new well, and this time Isaac is really irritated, so he names this Sitna, which means Satan. In the Hebrew, it's Satan, which means adversary or enemy. In all of these injustices, it's, it's this. God is saying to Isaac, it's okay because I've got something better for you in these wells, but Isaac is getting irritated. So, so far we've got these six pictures we've seen in this photo album of Isaac. First picture, Isaac obeys God. Second picture, Isaac is in fear and weakness and he lies. Third picture, Isaac loves his wife. Fourth picture, Isaac is rebuked, he's embarrassed for his lie. Fifth picture, Isaac is blessed by God. Sixth picture, Isaac is hated. Now, we come to the seventh picture of Isaac in this album here. And the seventh picture is from verses 22 to 25, where we read, he removed from thence, digged another well, they strove not, called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, we shall be fruitful in the land. Went up from thence to Beersheba, the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am God of Abraham thy father, fear not, for I am with thee, will bless thee, multiply thy seed. He built an altar there, called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent. See, Isaac digs another well, and the Philistines now leave him alone. And then Isaac makes a very important statement in verse 22. And his statement is in the name of this third well. And he says, for now the Lord has made room for us, we shall be fruitful in the land. See, verses 19 through 22, Isaac is digging three new wells. These are the wells that he digs. And in the seventh picture here of Isaac, we see him making a very significant turn in his life. And this turn is seen in the sequence of these three new wells that he digs. See, well Essek, which is verses 19 through 20, well Sitna, which is verse 21, and well Rehoboth, which is verse 22. See, these are the three new wells of Essek, Sitna, and Rehoboth. And they've got to be seen in sequence here for us to see what's happening in the, to Isaac in this seventh picture. See, in the two verses which talk about the first of the new wells, 
In other words, verses 19 through 20. The well Essek, verse 21. These two wells. The well Sitna, verse 21. Who is Isaac focused on? Who is he focused on when he calls the first well Essek and he's striving? He calls the second well Sitna. Yeah, he's against the herdmen, his enemies. He's focused on that. And can you see the progression of his anger? I mean, in verse 20, he says, Essek. You know, he says, striving. Uh, you know, in verse 20, they argue. They take his well. He gets angry. He speaks to the thieves. And he says, name that well, contention or striving. In verse 21, they take his next well. He gets really angry, and he calls them Satan. You're Satan, is what he does. In other words, verse 20, he says, you strive with me. Verse 21, he loses his temper, and he calls them Satan. In the first new well, Isaac has focused his irritation on the problems. This is the well that's being argued over. The second new well, Isaac has focused his irritation on the troublemakers when he calls them Satan. And this is part of the sixth picture of Isaac being hated. But the seventh picture of Isaac starts in verse 22 where he digs another new well and there's no fight. And then Isaac gives this third new well a wonderful name. He doesn't call it Satan. (laughs) Of Rehoboth, which in the Hebrew... Rechabot means uh, broad places, wide places. So with this name for the third new well, Isaac now does something that he's not done in naming the other two wells. In naming this new well, in verse 22, who's Isaac focused on? On God, right? He's focused on God. Isaac has turned his focus to God when he said in verse 22, now, for now, the Lord has made room for us who shall be fruitful. We see in this name, Rehoboth, that Isaac has chosen for his third new well that he's dug here, a great turning. See, the name Rehoboth that Isaac has chosen, we see him turning from his enemies to God. We see him turning from his enemies to God in humility because Isaac was a mighty man. He could have conquered those Philistines, but in the name that he chose for his third well, We see him not fighting to make room for himself, but we see him waiting on God to make room for him. We see in this name Rehoboth that Isaac chose for this third new well. We see him turning from his enemies to God as his hope because Isaac now hopes in God to make room for him instead of of hoping in his might to make room for himself. So we look at these three names here of these three new wells that he's dug, Essex, Striving, Sitna, Satan, and Rehoboth, broad places. And then we can look at them, we ask ourselves the question, what name have we given to the well in our lives? I mean, are we in our lives focused on our problems? All we see is our problems. It's Essex, Essex, Essex. It's all about striving and contentions. And our problems have pushed us away from happiness. Are we in our lives focused on our enemies? Name our well, Sitna, Satan. Because all we see is people we're angry with who's pushed us away from happiness. Or are we focused on God? And we name the well in our lives Rehoboth because in humility we wait on God to make room for us. We're focused on God. Now, now Isaac has turned to God and he comes now in verse 23 and moves to Beersheba. And as Isaac now moves up to Beersheba, Isaac is weary and he's fearful we see something wonderful in verse 24. As God meets Isaac in his weariness and his fearfulness, it says, The Lord appeared unto him that same night and said, I am God, the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, will bless thee, will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. See, God comforts Isaac by repeating this blessing, the greatest blessing that Isaac could possibly have, which are those words, I am with thee. See, that meant so much to Isaac just to have God with him in his life. Those words meant so much for Isaac. Imagine for God to say to Isaac, I am with you in your life. Let me illustrate this, you know, how how much this means to Isaac to hear God say, I told you last 
time that I was going to go to Disneyland with my son David and and two grandkids. Eight-year-old Grace, six-year-old Grant. We went to Disneyland. I don't pair up well with daring Grace as much as I do with cautious Grant. And Grant and I were just on the same page. I mean, I can ask Grace, is that a scary ride? Oh, no. She says, no. Grant, is that a scary ride? He goes, yes. But when Grant says, I said, now, is that a scary ride? And he shakes his head vehemently and says, no, no, no. Then I know it's not a scary ride. He's very cautious, see. And so Grant and I, we were cautious. And so, you know, we were on Tom Sawyer's Island and started in this cave and heard a scary voice. We were the only two that turned around from the line and walked back against traffic to leave. You know, the scariest thing happened at Disneyland. What do you think would be the scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland? We lost Grant. And we turned around, and he was gone for all of 30 long minutes. And I asked him what happened, and he told me, he said he just started crying, and a lady came up to him, and he said, and then I was more scared because I thought she was going to kidnap me, and she brought him to security. And then Grant told the security man the only phone number that he'd memorized, which was David's wife Jeanette's cell phone number. And actually, losing Grant was not the scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland. The scariest thing that could happen at Disneyland is when Jeanette called David (laughs) and told him that he had lost Grant. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 